Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set records around the world. And then as we always do, we break those records. My name is Jody Jenkins. My name is Tony Clement. And another barn burner of a guest today should be a big one. It's going to be almost as big as Lollapalooza in Chicago. That's right. <laughs> this happening as, as we're recording. <laughs> 100,000 people, Jody, no masks. <laughs> or as you, as you called it, Delta Palooza. Delta Palooza. So we'll see what happens. It'll be very interesting uh, because uh, most of the city of Chicago is now freak, officially freaking out that uh, this is happening in Chicago. But uh, <laughs> uh, we, will, we will all find out together whether <laughs> this is a good social experiment or not. Ed, did you see, sorry, I was yawning there. Did you see um, Fred Durst's new look? Of course, the lead guy from Limp Bizkit. No, uh, oh. he's featured prominently in this uh, documentary on Woodstock 99, though. So I want to I see that. Oh, maybe that's why he's got this look going or something. I don't know, but you got to, so his white hair all grown out, kind of like a goatee Fu Manchu style thing. And then he, he's wearing like these like red colored glasses, sunglasses or something, but. I think yeah. he was interviewed quite prominently for this documentary on Woodstock 99, which was a, an epic disaster uh, and uh, financially as well as injuries. Uh, there were assaults. There was uh, all sorts of crazy stuff going on. So these, uh, these large concerts, you know, uh, they, they aren't all the peace, love, uh, and the serenity that one associates with the original Woodstock, which in, in and of itself in 1969 had its share of problems. So these large, uh, these large gatherings, uh, they are not for the faint of heart. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay. Let's uh, thank our sponsors. Of course, this show wouldn't be available to you without the presenting support of the team at municipal solutions, John Mutton and the crew doing an unbelievable job there. And, Tony, I know that you're going to share a little bit more and roll into some others as well. Yeah, let me also thank John Mutton and Municipal Solutions for being a presenting sponsor. Of course, if, you do, if you've heard our show, you know that they are specialists in development services and project management uh, for development approvals and permit expediting, for planning services with municipalities, for engineering services, uh, architectural services, if you have a minor variance you need or a land severance, or if you just need a building permit, go to municipalsolutions.ca and they'll help you out. And then we've got Polytrack, your all-in-one advocacy management platform. Polytrack offers government relations pros a secure hub to store their advocacy data. This includes stakeholder contact details, engagement reports, and key messages. You visit Polytrack with a Q dot com and mention and another thing podcast when you sign up and you receive their white glove onboarding services free 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 including tutorial and q a for your team so all you gr pros out there check out polytrack.com and then finally you've got to try the magnify video widget this means crisp clear secure video collaboration your way you can embed and customize the magnify video widget on your own website in minutes or run it through from your browser on the Magnify app. It is easy. It is secure. It's a made-in-Canada video collaboration 
uh, solution for you and for your business, visit magnifywithani.io, or you can find them also on Twitter at magnify underscore IO. And of course, don't forget to check us out on looneypolitics.com. Each month we share an exclusive podcast that only subscribers have access to. And you can get 50% off an annual subscription if you use the code podcast. So make sure you check that out, looneypolitics.com. All right, let's get to our guest. I know he's waiting patiently. Good friend of yours, Tony, a former colleague as well. And I know that uh, this is going to be interesting. Well, listen, thanks, uh, Jody, and it is certainly an Another Thing podcast. Great uh, joy to have uh, my former colleague and continued friend, the Honorable Joe Oliver, to our program. He is, as you said, a former uh, member of Parliament for Eglinton Lawrence. He was Minister of Finance uh, and Minister of Natural Resources under uh, Stephen Harper from 2011 to 2015. He was born in Montreal, but of course, we know him as one of our great uh, Toronto MPs. Joe Oliver, welcome to the program. Welcome. Well, thank you very much. I, I'm delighted to be chatting with you, and I hope uh, the billing uh, won't disappoint. <laughs> That's right. No, I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, you know, it's it's just great having uh, former colleagues on we we've had a whole range of current MPs and former MPs so Joe it's 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 just a pleasure so I'm gonna I'm gonna start off and this is more of a retrospective question for you looking back what was the most surprising thing to you about being in politics versus being in business and 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 being in private life well, that's uh, that's an interesting uh, question. I I think I, I I can answer it a little more forthrightly uh, now uh, than I was uh, I was able to uh, before while I was uh, while I was in office. Um, I would say that the the contention that one one encountered, uh, particularly but not exclusively from. Uh, from media wasn't totally a surprise, but occasionally I was I was taken back uh, somewhat uh, by by how uh, partisan uh, and and how um, agendas as uh, of, of of people um, you know question you might uh, might you know tailor or would tailor uh, their their questions and uh, their ultimate reporting. That was. Um, it was the extent of it, uh, not that it existed, that uh, I found um, I found somewhat uh, surprising. I think there were there were other things that are a little bit intramural, uh, but you you know, um, question period um, is not called answer period uh, for an obvious reason, and the amount of time that parliamentarians have to uh, spend. Uh, to prepare for it, and then to sit and wait for a question, and then to debrief afterwards, um, is just uh, quite remarkable in terms of uh, uh, the day uh, that uh, you know is, is has to be consumed with with really uh, issues that are that are uh, important. Um, now, that is not to say that parliamentary accountability isn't absolutely crucial, and I want to get into that a little bit uh, uh, when we we have our our broader discussion about the, the, the current government, but but some of it is is there's so much play acting uh, involved that uh, um, too much time I think is is devoted and there isn't there isn't uh, uh, perhaps enough um, I guess 
uh, balance in in uh, in, in uh, the way uh, opponents and and uh, ideological and political opponents uh, uh, sort of approach uh, approach parliamentarians. And I think, if anything, uh, that that issue has become uh, more problematic. Uh, going forward. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. And uh, it's really interesting. I I, th- I think one of your core points there was the amount of time it takes. And we're, we're not saying that, the, that you shouldn't be accountable. But uh, first thing in the morning, you know, uh, a number of your staff are going to be uh, checking out uh, media and social media to see whether there are any lurking issues out there. They're engaging with the staff in the prime minister's office. Then you yourself as a minister are, are getting briefed by your staff on what the potential issues are. Then you go to a briefing of all of the cabinet uh, right before a question period where you go through for an, over an hour what the questions and answers might be, because, of course, you're never told beforehand what a question is going to be from the opposition. Uh, and then you have a question period, and then you have the debrief after question period. Uh, you're talking about hours in the day. Uh, just just focus on that. And that's quite apart from your ministerial accountability when it comes to committee work and making sure that you're you're prepping for uh, questions and answers at committee. So I, I'm to- I'm totally with you with that. That that was not something that I expected. Even after being a legislator in Ontario, it was at a different level in Parliament. Uh, before we get to our our friends uh, in the current Trudeau government, uh, I, I have a kind of a quasi retrospective question for you too, Joe. Uh, it looks like people are starting to look back at the Harper years with some nostalgia. Now, I'm not saying Jerry Butts is that way, but I'm saying, you know, generally in the uh, the non-hyper-partisan part of the population, all of a sudden Stephen Harper uh, with his, you know, uh, he was a solid guy. He had a handle on economic issues. You knew where he was coming from. Uh, are, are you sensing some of that yourself uh, when you're talking to people? Oh, there's no question, and I've been asked a number of times whether he might come back, and this isn't, uh, you know, I don't want to do a, a disservice to the current leader of the, of the Conservative Party, Aaron O'Toole, but but the thing that uh, some people uh, loved him, some people uh, didn't, uh, but I think they all viewed him as competent, and they also viewed him as someone uh, with, uh, with uh, integrity. There was never any personal scandals, financial or ethical scandals, in my opinion, regarding um, uh, regarding uh, Stephen Harper. Um, you know, it's it's unimaginable uh, that he could have uh, done things which would have enhanced his own uh, financial, uh, personal financial situation, or or got himself into into into, into, into trouble. Um, uh, you know, of an ethical kind, or or uh, or, or, or things. Uh, you know, like like the famous Kenoki group. Uh, uh, you know, imposing himself on on women. I mean, these are these are unthinkable uh, things. And and so people, uh, I uh, you know, confronted with continual virtue signaling, and 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 frankly. Um, a total disconnect between what is, is said and what is delivered in so many cases, uh, I think are, are um, hungry uh, for, um, for a, a straight shooter who will actually competently get things done and uh, can deliver. 
uh, you know, it, it's sort of ironic that it's the liberals who introduced this this concept. I guess they got it from uh, uh, from uh, various consultants of deliverology. Um, well, you don't hear much about deliverology because if uh, if ever there was a failure of, of deliverology, <laughs> we'll, 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 you know, we have uh, we have uh, the star example right now. So, uh, you know, all, all to say that. Uh, um, you know, like him or hate him, you had competence uh, with with uh, Stephen Harper, and you had integrity and authenticity, and uh, those are lacking. Now, I want to turn to obviously we're recording this possibly on the cusp of a federal election. I think we have to assume that in the next uh, few days, uh, uh, the uh, the prime minister is going to have a conversation with the new governor general and uh, and pull the plug on on this parliament. So, uh, you know, th- this is also a time to look at, uh, based on your experience, and I, I suppose my experience as an interviewer on, you know, what we know about campaigns and elections and so on. And uh, I want to focus at least initially on something you've written about. You're you're a prolific writer. You you get published a lot in uh, in the papers, and uh, you've written a lot about what you see as uh, a future, you know, soon to be economic reckoning for Canada. That uh, that our fiscal situation is completely unsustainable, and we're kind of sleepwalking to what could be a potential disaster. Uh, tell us a little bit about your thoughts on this. Sure, I think you've, you've encapsulated a lot of the issues. We, we we've got uh, we 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 had a long delayed budget. It took two years, which is which is a whole other issue about the parliamentary accountability and talking about no taxation without representation. But putting that as that critical issue aside, we we have the most profligate uh, budget in uh, in Canadian history, and uh, um, you know as, as someone who delivered the last. Uh, uh, the, the last balanced budget. Uh, I have to say, this is this is painful to, to see. The, the financial crisis that I think uh, uh, could well be coming our way, but not imminently, um, is that we now uh, have 1.2 trillion dollars in federal debt, moving up to 1.4 trillion um, in the in the fiscal years 2025-26, assuming the rose-colored. Uh, projections of the government turn out to be true. Uh, interest on the debt now is $22 billion, moving up to $39 billion um, in, in 25. That's $1,000 a person. Now, the, this budget is, is based on certain assumptions. One is uh, that interest rates are not going to go up, which implies inflation isn't going to go up. And secondly, we're not going to have any major external shocks well right now of course interest rates are up uh, they're they're doubled from last year uh, and uh, inflation and this is the big debate whether it's transitory or not inflation was was over uh, 3.4 percent in canada and i think 5.4 percent in the united states which is relevant for us of course um the the uh, bank of canada and the fed both believe this is a transitory uh, issue because there's pent up demand and there's there's problems in in the supply chain, so that that pushes up uh, prices. Uh, 
but there there are others um, who have who have a, a different view on on that issue. And um, if uh, if it turns out that interest rates uh, go up, that just adds uh, more to the uh, to the debt burden and and could increase. Uh, uh, the the interest rate for for an average family from the from the four thousand dollars it's it's going to get to um, in twenty five twenty six to uh, uh, to to uh, double or, or or triple that and uh, the, the, you know we, we we are at a period um, even though interest rates have gone up from from last year we're at a period of extraordinary low rates and historically. Uh, much uh, lower than uh, than we had, uh, of course, in the in the early nineties uh, when uh, the Paul Martin uh, finance minister and Jean Chrétien government uh, confronted a fiscal crisis because the credit rating agencies had had uh, been downgrading uh, Canada bonds. Uh, there, was, there was a potential issue of raising could they actually raise the money they needed and of course the interest rates were, were getting so colossally high that it was simply financially unsustainable so you had a liberal government having to to address uh, the, the issue of debt which they'd avoided uh, for them this of course is a legacy of the, of the Pierre Trudeau uh, years and um, they partly as you would know, uh, pushed uh, the burden on to the provinces, but but also uh, got got tough. And uh, you know what what we're looking at, even if we don't have a full uh, war uh, crisis, we're looking at almost inevitably higher taxes. And if you don't have higher taxes, you're going to have increasing uh, debt, which which is which is going to reduce. Uh, growth and eventually it, it cuts it catches up uh, to the government. It's it's simply uh, not sustainable. Uh, they're they're, monet- they're they're monetizing the debt with with inflation, so it'll, it'll be less of a burden. But when you do that, of course, interest rates move with it. So uh, there is now a uh, it's not imminent, but there's a a real possibility of, of a credit downgrade. Fitch rating uh, uh, over a year ago downgraded Canada bonds to AA plus, still pretty good, uh, but uh, warned uh, that the numbers, the ratios that they look at in terms of debt to to GDP and so on, um, are are worse than those of uh, comparable. Uh, countries with with the same uh, the same rating. So, um, and they warned that it's it's sort of unsustainable unless the government takes action to to contain uh, the spending increases. So, well, since then we have the budget, and of course they're doing the exact opposite. So here's my question, and I guess I, we're veering into politics. But you were a politician, I was a politician. You know, why? Isn't this an issue with the public? Why why is the public kind of serenely walking, you know, slow walking? I think your point is well taken that it's not imminent, but it is a potential disaster. Inflation, uh, which erodes their savings, taxes being higher, maybe fewer government services. Th- these are all things that should be discussed in, in, an, uh, in an election campaign, shouldn't they? Well, they should, and they're not the only ones. But uh, people, um, 
you know, are looking uh, that they've been, look, the, the, psycho the, the, the psychology right now has been, of, of course, impacted dramatically by, by COVID-19 and uh, people are worried about their health. And uh, a lot of people, but not everybody for sure, uh, is, is worried about their next paycheck and whether they'll keep their jobs or having lost their jobs, whether they're going to get it back and whether their businesses will, uh, uh, will, will survive, particularly small businesses. So they, 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 uh, they, they're nervous um, and uh, they're, they're grateful or, or grateful or certainly at least relieved uh, to have uh, been handed um, hundreds of billions of dollars, in effect, of, of, of government largesse, which is essentially the government borrowing um, uh, the, the taxpayers' money to, to dole out to a variety of, uh, of uh, recipients. Uh, so um, big government uh, is there, uh, to uh, has been there to bail people out and, and of course we have to have significant savings and significant uh, expenditures uh, to to help people because in effect the government uh, essentially closed the economy right uh, and uh, you know there's a health reason for for doing that and so how we put people out of work they they have to make sure this is the first world country that they um you know that they can pay uh, pay 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 the rent and, uh, and the heating and and uh and buy 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 food for, for themselves and their children uh, so money had to be spent it didn't it had to be spent carefully and, and given to people who really needed it, not those who didn't. And we're finding out increasingly uh, that, that that was uh, that was violated. But people uh, have a, a certain dependency in this in this kind of environment. And they're not, frankly, not thinking about, um, you know, this this issue, which seems like a, a financial uh, sort of uh, thing that, uh, that, that, that that the little gnomes in, in, in Zurich worry about. Um, and and they're they're uh, and frankly they're a little bit selfish and they're not too worried about about the huge debt that their children and grandchildren are going to have to bear. It's it's not it's not part of the current psychology, and people are are are, are relieved and some are grateful that these these massive amounts of money have been uh, dispensed their way. Some of it uh, for for many of them it was it was essential right. to get that. So that's one of the issues. Sure, uh, certainly. But, but, you know, it's not only finance we're talking about. It, this is the government that, w w which, which has a, a litany of, um, uh, of, of ethical breaches and uh, gross incompetencies uh, that, uh, that seem to um, get a pass. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the list is, is so long, it's, it's, uh, it's actually quite uh, remarkable. I mean, we've got a... We've got a prime minister who has been uh, convicted twice of, of ethical breaches by, by the ethics commissioner. Uh, no one, no prime minister in Canada was was ever convicted once, um, and uh, he, he managed to dodge the bullets. I think it was on the we uh, the we scandal, um, but there's there's something else coming his way, and uh, um, so uh, you know that's that's one issue uh, on the ethical side. But uh, you know the, the, there was the, the blackface uh, uh, in contrast to all his 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 virtue uh, signaling about being concerned about about racism. I mean, there there's the fact that he hasn't dealt with. Um, with Harjit uh, Sajjan, uh, the the minister of 
of, of defense uh, who sat on an, um, a, a, uh, an accusation directed against Jonathan Vance, the, uh, the chief of defense staff, about a sexual, uh, uh, sexual misconduct. He hasn't done anything about Carolyn Bennett, uh, who, uh, uh, who, who insulted uh, the most prominent uh, Aboriginal parliamentarian, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould. Um, uh, you know, there, there's a whole series of... of yeah. So ethical things, and then there's then there's other stuff which I guess we we you know the Lee scandal. The, sure. But you're the, yeah. It, you, it goes on and on. Yeah, it does. But you know you you're uh, you put yourself in the shoes of Aaron O'Toole, the opposition leader. You got 37 days of a writ coming up. Uh, you haven't had a real chance to introduce yourself to the public. COVID hasn't helped uh, because there's been no real question period and uh, Parliament is a shadow of its former self during COVID. So uh, what do you do? I mean, you put yourself in Aaron O'Toole's shoes. How should he prosecute the election campaign to maximum effect? Well, I think, you know, what what you keep hearing from from the press, and of course they're not objective on the on these issues, is you know we, we should be looking to the future and not the past. Well, they didn't say that about uh, about the Harper uh, government and about Senator Duffy. I mean that 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 well that went on for weeks during the campaign. That, that went <laughs> yeah. on for weeks. You know it went on for months overall, and that was like a, a peanut compared to a dozen <laughs> things. That that uh, have been foisted on us by by this government, so it's it's kind of remarkable. But anyway, they were content to dwell dwell in the past, uh, but now uh, we're supposed to uh, forget the past and look to the future. But but he definitely, uh, Aaron O'Toole definitely has to uh, be be uh, supplying or, or presenting a uh, a vision. Uh, for a, a happier future for, for Canadians. And I, I think that, you know, what, one of the things um, I think he, he should discuss uh, is, is whether this prime minister really represents the, the, the values and the interests of regular Canadians. I mean, the, the average Canadian is not a woke uh, ideologue. Uh, the average Canadian uh, certainly is horrified by the residential uh, school uh, uh, situation, which which is which is a uh, a terrible tragedy. But but doesn't believe that this country is fundamentally and systemically racist, um, and nor do the, the the hundreds of thousands of immigrants. Um, uh, many uh, interracialized uh, people who come to Canada uh, and are, are, are so delighted uh, to be here and, and contribute so much uh, to this country. They don't have that that view either. Um, so I, I think, you know, they don't, the average Canadian doesn't think that we're a post-national state. Um, the average Canadian uh, d- doesn't have the same views about Castro and and China that the Prime Minister has. And the average Canadian, I think, understands that you can't live indefinitely beyond your means. Um, So I think they're looking for someone who's proud of this country and um, will stand up for for their their interests and and their values 
and uh, reflect what's 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 great about this country, uh, a country that that of course has has things to to explain and 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 things we we very much wish hadn't happened, but overall is 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 a, a magnificent country that has a, a an absolutely uh, superb future. But it's got to be led by someone who's competent and someone who believes believes in the country and believes in our fundamental values and isn't uh, isn't caught if he's sincere um, by these uh, these woke uh, ideologues. Um, but you know there is an issue of how much the prime minister actually believes all of this or how much he thinks. Uh, it's it's advancing his his personal um, partisan interests. I, I'm right. not a hundred percent sure on that, and in one sense, it almost uh, doesn't matter. Yeah, um, I mean, and you're you you can be sure that the liberals will. I, I've said this before on this program and elsewhere. For a hundred years now, the liberals have basically done a variation on the same theme, which is in the 1920s, it was king or chaos. And basically in 2021, it's going to be elect us or those crazy people are going to get in. You don't want that. So it's it's basically the same theme. So we know that's coming. Or if you're a conservative, you know that's coming. Uh, and they're going to try to do everything they can. The liberal war room will try to do everything they can to knock Aaron O'Toole off his game plan, just like uh, Andrew Scheer had to face, and even Stephen Harper faced in 2015, you know, uh, all these, the Duffy things that came out and whatever uh, whatever else the, the war room of the Liberal Party would use to their advantage. So uh, I, I just think we, we have to uh, be uh, confident in our, you're right, I think if it's a matter of values and message, there's an opportunity there. Yeah, I, look, I remember in 2011, uh, you know, when only won a majority, uh, they were still talking about Stephen Harper's hidden agenda, <laughs> you know, and, and it only stopped in the 2015 uh, election because he'd had a majority for over four years. And, you know, it just didn't have any possibility of, 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 of traction at that, at that point. But boy, they, they, they milked that. And, and of course, in his case, you know, uh, uh, in, in, in O'Toole's case, they're, they're t- talking about abortion again. Well, it's frankly... Uh, yeah, you know an election's coming when Justin Trudeau's tweeting about abortion rights. Exactly. Yeah. Now, by the way, just on that, uh, certainly the, 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 the conventional view, uh, uh, more than that, is everybody seems convinced there is going to be an election, and, and, and I, uh, uh, I think there, there, there is. The only, uh, the only hesitation... I have about being definitive is that some of the, the more recent polls have moved, um, uh, narrowed the race. Uh, before it was a clear liberal majority, if you know, if people voted the way uh, the polls indicated, and now it's a liberal minority. Uh, before he was ahead 10 to 15 points at the outside, and now it's it's two to four points. Well, I mean, we've got to remember that last time, in the last election, uh, the Conservatives actually had more votes right. uh, than the Liberals, but we were still, because our votes are less efficient and more concentrated in, in the Prairie provinces, um, so we, we, we got a minority. Uh, now, with, if, if we lose by 2%, of course, um, there'll still be a minority, uh, a minority government. It might be even 
a stronger one. I, I don't know. But mm-hmm. 2 or 3%, 4% is like nothing uh, prior to, to uh, an election. And uh, the Liberals sure... Uh, sure know that i mean you you you'll you'll recall uh um kim campbell at one point uh was leading in the polls oh yeah, yeah absolutely and i remember and it was the worst disaster in political history um in canada a majority government going to uh, down to two seats right now um you know and, and frankly when when uh when Trudeau won in in 2015, I mean he he started. I think he was behind the NDP at one. Oh no, he was he was third. He was third in seats, obviously, but he was yeah. also thir- third in the polls. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So look, I, maybe I'm grasping straws here, but uh, it is it is too early to be definitive. Now, given that um, Trudeau, uh, you know, is is clearly salivating. Uh, for for his his majority, um, if he doesn't think he's going to get it, uh, then what would the point of doing this again be? Because uh, then he's really weakened for uh, for, for the next uh, election. On the other hand, um, I think the uh, the thing that's driving it beyond uh, the immediate prospects of winning is the things are going to get worse for him. Yeah, you know, maybe he's looking for an exit strategy. You know, get the election out of the way, do the best you can, and then uh, move to the United Nations or something. Yeah, it could could be. He's, it's 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 sort of hard to read. I think uh, I think he's probably enjoying himself. Were you surprised that Mark Carney didn't uh, run? Actually, I was. Um, I thought you know everything. He was setting the table. Right. Uh, he, he he wrote his his book. Uh, which is somewhat incomprehensible, but it was it was <laughs> as, uh, it was as liberal and as woke a book as you could possibly have. That's a whole other subject about the Great Reset, um, of which he is a a, a major uh, uh, you know proponent. Um, but I thought this was his his opportunity, and I I, I would have thought that uh, Christia Freeland was was quite uh, nervous about it, and um, you know the inside rumors are this. There's a fair amount of tension between their two, their two teams. So I'm not sure what his game is. Uh, I, I I'd be shocked if he doesn't want to uh, get the top job. But maybe he didn't think this was the time uh, to do it. Maybe he thinks he can. You know, he, he can kind of wait it out. Is, yeah. uh, maybe they'll get a minority, and then uh, then he's still positioned to. Uh, to do it, I, I look. I, I I'm just guessing at, at this point, but I was uh, I was somewhat surprised. Well, Joe Oliver, what what's a podcast without a few educated guesses? <laughs> I got to tell you. Sure, sure. So listen, we're out of time, but I just wanted to thank you for appearing on our show. It's been a pleasure to get your insights, uh, and there's still a lot more to talk about. I know that, but maybe that means at some point there can be a, a little bit of time in your schedule for a, a repeat appearance. But thank you for joining us today. It was a delight to chat with you. Lots of interesting stories there, and no doubt, Tony, that uh, we could do a part two with Mr. Oliver. I got to say, I didn't, I didn't put this in there because I didn't want to like fanboy over him, but I loved him on. Always loved his commentary on CTV News, and when he was a co-anchor on Question Period, I thought he did a great job. <laughs> Are you thinking of Craig Oliver? Oh, who did we just have on?
Uh, no, that we had Joe Oliver on, Jody. Oh, Joe Oliver. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, oh, I'm glad I didn't say anything. I would have felt cheapish. Awkward. <laughs> no, it's good to have Joe on, and uh, I'm sure he uh, he enjoyed that. I hope he enjoyed that. But yeah, no, it's good. Uh, he's always got a lot to say, and uh, you know, you can find his uh, news columns in our uh, published uh, newspapers in this country. So uh, he's not uh, he's not keeping quiet. Uh, he's uh, he still has a lot to say about a lot of things. So good for him on that. And uh, he was my seatmate uh, when when Jim Flaherty. Um, uh, was no long. I, there was a period where he wasn't the finance minister anymore. Uh, he was on his way out, and then, of course, uh, unfortunately, he passed away. But uh, I always sat beside Jim Flaherty in the House of Commons when Joe Oliver became finance minister. I was president of the Treasury Board. I sat beside him, and there is a passing similarity in the way we look, where people were confusing one with the other for a period of time, which irked me only because he was twenty years older than I was. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I kind of said, wait a minute, how can we look alike? He's, but he's a very, you know, he's, he's looks good for his age. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I don't really see that resemblance, but maybe at a quick glance or someone could make that mistake, but yeah, that's, uh, I guess there's worse things you could be mistaken for. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I've, I've been called far worse than Joe Oliver. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, once again, we got to thank John Mutton and the crew at Municipal Solutions uh, for their support as our presenting sponsor and also looneypolitics.com. Don't forget to use the code podcast. And when you go in for an annual subscription, you'll get 50% off of that and you'll have access to exclusive content like extra shows from us that you can't hear anywhere else. That's at looneypolitics.com. And Tony, I know that we have a couple others that we want to give a plug to. Yeah, give a give a try to polytrack.com uh, when you when you actually register for that and sign up for their site you get uh, a lot of free services because you're uh, you're part of the and another thing podcast family so go to polytrack with a q.com and the the magnify video app try that too it, it's free and uh, it's an alternative to some of those other uh, non-secure foreign uh, video uh, sites that you may be using. So try magnify with an I dot I O. All right. We'll do this again in seven days. You betcha.